Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of anime trending. If you're looking for a nice tea and deep dive analysis about otaku things, you've come to the right place. We love our conversation and discussion, and we're back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by. Hello, I am Isabel, and this is Agnes. So, without further ado, the girl taku today will be about our guilty pleasure ships. So, we've talked about ships quite a bit of time on girl taku at this point. We've talked about, you know, ships that we really love. We've talked about toxic ships as well. And, you know, we've covered kind of covered all variety of ships. And today, we're going to talk about guilty pleasure ships, as in... Even though we understand that the ship might not be the best, we still can't help but ship the characters together. And we feel guilty about that fact, but yet we still can't stop. So this would be a really fun topic because, once again, I'm always curious about what the other girls have to say. And I genuinely have no idea what they've picked for their, for their guilty pleasure ships. And with that being said, it's actually Isabel who is starting us off this week. So, Isabel, you know, dive right in. Let us know. Who are your guilty pleasure ships? Yeah, for me, this one's a little hard just because I usually just ship whatever is canon. And it's like, okay. So, I mm. haven't found myself, like, uh, shipping characters uh, together as much uh, recently personally um of course i see other posts about it and i'm like okay sure but i've never been like deep dive into it so um but i did find two that are i guess i lean towards you know non-canon ships that probably maybe definitely might not work out but we'll see <laughs> I, uh, I thought but- you were going to say i don't feel guilty about shipping any of my ships <laughs> <laughs> i could do that too actually i feel like oh. that, that's kind of the case so but yeah, of course, we have toxic ships for that or some other type of um, category for that. Anyway, uh, the first ship, though, uh, definitely is one that is definitely not going to work out. But I shipped them together and it's it's the two characters in Bunny Girl Senpai. Uh, and specifically, it's with Futaba and Sakuta. Really? <gasps> yes. I am wow. shocked. I can see it, though. Yeah, I can see it. I'm shocked. Okay, go on. <laughs> yes, in particular, it's when Futaba is going through her, um, I guess, her adolescence syndrome, and she divides herself into one kind of her insecure self, and then two uh, is her kind of more confident and emotional self. And usually, when we see Futaba throughout the series, in in Bunny Girl Senpai is that she's kind of the sole member of the science club at school and she kind of keeps to herself most of the time. She's kind of emotionless and doesn't really talk to anyone else other than Sakuta, our main character. Um, and then this other guy who is also friends of Sakuta uh, and Futaba that they knew from, I believe, school before, which is uh, Komimi. And... Uh, Futaba has a crush on this guy, but unfortunately he has a girlfriend. And so, you know, because she feels, she feels terrible for herself. Like she kind of puts herself down for liking a guy who has a girlfriend already. And so she kind of shares that with Sakuta. And then, which also leads her to having the, uh, adolescent syndrome. And so when she divides herself into two, uh, the second Futaba kind of is like super confident 
in how she feels and she even does things that like her first self wouldn't do at all and then uh, the fact that she was even brave enough to just straight up ask Sakuta to like hey I want you to um, come to my house and stay with me for the night because I'm I'm scared uh, and you know that was something that I, I didn't expect her to do at all but like seeing her just fully embrace kind of her emotions and then reach out to Sakuta and then Sakuta being a nice guy that he is just listening to her problems and trying to help her solve her syndrome and then kind of being there for her as a friend uh, made me want to have more moments between them so I was happy with the scenes that we saw throughout the series uh, or at least in that arc with Futaba uh, I wish we could have seen more but yeah that's kind of like at least their interaction made me uh, ship them more um, even though the first part of them just like hanging out in the science classroom was enough for me already but when yeah when we got into her yeah her story I liked it even more um, but yes Agnes what did you think about that or did you also ship them a little bit in during that arc or <laughs> I actually thought that he was going to get together with Futaba at one point in the very early parts of the series, even though like the whole premise is hinted about the bunny girl senpai, bunny girl looks completely different than what his actual love interest is. Um, but for a moment, I was like, you know, Futaba makes a really good wingman, but I wouldn't mind if they get together too, because they're the only two that are solving this problem together. And the fact that she realizes a lot of the stuff that she has, she still is able to help out Sakta in his whole investigation about the other uh, syndromes too. So I thought that was a really cool twist, I guess. But definitely I would have liked to see more of their moments on screen. Uh, but otherwise, the rest of the series, delving more into the reason why she has the adolescence syndrome is very, is very nice though. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Gracie? What did you think of Futaba and Sakuta? So I actually love their platonic relationship, so I definitely didn't ship them. And part of the reason why is I did go into Bunny Girl Senpai expecting it to be a harem that just happens to be more better written just based on the first arc with Mai. But then when it quickly revealed that she uh, she really has a crush on one of their other friends that they shared together and her relationship with uh, Sakuda was purely platonic, that really won me over about the anime and so I was also just really happy to see like there is a guy girl sort of platonic relationship which as you guys know is quite rare per se and so especially unless it's like both of them already are dating then they're platonic but in this case neither of them at that point have started dating yet and they were purely platonic it was just really nice to see so that's why I didn't ship them and I was pretty happy with them being purely platonic I understand why people would ship them because, like you said, there is a lot of compatibility going on between the two of them. And I think, you know, Isabel, you've mentioned this before in one of our episodes. I actually don't remember which one it was where you said, like, well, don't you want to ship, like, friends sometimes when you see just how well they get along together and how well they complement each other? And I totally see how that mindset works with um, with Futaba and Sakuta and you know we we think about in real life it's not very uncommon for for example a guy to uh, to be dating a girl whose personality happens to be very similar to his best friend <laughs> you know because clearly mm -hmm. he gets along he's compatible with one of them with the type of personality very well so it makes sense that he would also get along or pursue it in the in the sexuality that's like the gender that he's interested in and so 
Um, so I also, so I do understand where you guys are coming from. But in regards to personally, I definitely didn't ship them. I liked them as purely platonic, and I thought that that relationship was really well done. I did also really like Futaba's uh, arc as a whole, though. So I think it was very self-focused on her, and I'm sure it was a it was a topic that a lot of girls feel um, can relate to. And I and I think I actually used her as an example for one of our. Uh, older episodes where we talked about anime bodies specifically and I mentioned her arc because her whole thing was her body was growing and changing in a way that was changing the attention that people was putting on her and she can't tell if she likes it or if she doesn't because it's increased attention but but at the same time very um, not intimate but like sort of crossing the boundaries kind of uh, attention as well and her having to trying to grapple with that fact I thought was very good usage of teenagers especially girls whose bodies are changing so uh, so overall I really liked her arc but yeah her relationship with Sakta I've always felt was purely platonic and it didn't bother me at all so yeah okay so I guess if that is your well okay sorry I do have one more question before we move on to the next oh, one okay so did you not ship Sakta with Mai at all or do you do ship them but you ship Sakta with Futaba a little more I yeah I ship him with Mai as well um but I think for me I think because I'm like on the fence with Mai's character in general oh okay that, yeah just because Futaba seemed more kind of you know self-contained and I just liked her character more I think it's like personal preference uh that I saw that but yeah I'm totally fine with Sakuta and Mai as well um it's just that Mai as a character I don't know it's just hard for me to relate to her I guess um, it was easier for me to relate to Futaba in a sense, so that's why. Out of curiosity, you know, what uh, what would you say it is about Mai's character that made it harder for you to relate to her on? I don't know. She, like, she just had a lot of things going on, um, and then her problems in general weren't something that I, I could relate to, and and I guess I was, like, misled, too, like, you know, in the first part of the series where she dressed up as a bunny girl, but then she like almost never does that again. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I don't know. I guess my percep or like my perception of her character had changed. Of course, I only saw the first season. I think there's like a movie or something. So like maybe that would have changed my mind again. But from the first season, I was like lukewarm on on like their relationship and my in general. Interesting. Okay. Um, so I guess in that case, uh, what is the second uh, guilty pleasure ship that you have on your list? Yeah, the second one, I don't know if either of you two have this on your list because we both, or we all watch the show, but it's from Bungo Stray Dogs and it's between Dazai and Chuya. Oh my gosh. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes. The most popular one. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I like them when I watched, uh, season, what was it? Season two, kind of that little interaction that they had but after recently seeing the dead apple movie and then season three as well i like shipped them even harder yeah the dead apple movie really does it doesn't it, it does. <laughs> oh my god i didn't expect it to go that far even like just the scenes between them but when it really did i'm like okay they i can't deny that i really like these two together kind of like that enemy to lovers trope between them you know they definitely hate that one player right that's probably what you thought (laughs) what (laughs) we are all adults here 
I know, like the moments between them are so funny. Like I really like rewatching the scenes and um and I actually recently watched it in dub as well and I still love the voice actors uh for both Dazai and Chuya. And yeah, just like Dazai always teasing Chuya and Chuya Chuya like takes it like he's he's so funny because he hates it obviously, but he's kind of like tsundere about it, just like he's very tsundere yeah. about it. <laughs> He's just like, oh, sure, or why would you do that? But, like, he doesn't really follow up on it. He kind of just, like, accepts it, like, at that point. Like, even though he's obviously visibly annoyed, it's either he likes it or he's just like, okay, Daza is just being Daza type of thing. Um, but, yeah, and then, like, they're kind of, like, their past. I did, when I saw, like, their, how they first met in season three, they just hated their, each other's guts so hard. Like, they couldn't believe that they were, you know, working together at one point and then just facing each other. And it's crazy how that evolved into them literally having, like, the best trust <laughs> between each other, even though they had been apart um, when Dazai had left for the armed detective agency and Chuya stayed in the port mafia. Uh, the fact that they had that, like, time apart, but even though you know, they were apart for so long when they met up with each other, they still had that same trust. Like, I don't know where I could find that, like trusting someone that you haven't seen for like many, many years. Um, yeah, I thought that was wild. And then some of my favorite jokes are just literally Dazai kind of insulting Chuya about his like height to calling him short and then telling him to drink more milk. <laughs> and then Chuya just being like an, a really, um, I guess, redhead for being like angry and wanting to beat the sh beat the crap out of people uh and then that's it's just like i i I, I would rather go about it a different way like their fighting styles are so different obviously and according to their powers as well and the fact that um you know when chuya has to use uh corruption and he basically goes wild and he can't he's not he's not sane anymore and the fact that dazai has to be there for him to basically nullify his ability so that he can finally you know come back to normal but yeah the amount of trust that they have in each other is crazy so they are definitely one of the ships in Bunko Straight Dogs that I always look out for like when I see them those two in a scene I'm always <laughs> I'm always like laughing already but I also want to see like exactly uh, how they're going to you know have a cool scene later in a fight or something like that but yeah, I want to know your guys' thoughts, so go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to ask you, uh, my question is, what makes you guilty about this ship, though? Because <laughs> you're doing a good job of pitching why this ship is, like, people should ship it. So what makes, what makes this the guilty pleasure part? <laughs> the guilty pleasure part is the fact that, I guess, I don't know, like, it's obviously not hinted at in the series that they are in a romantic relationship with each other. So that's kind of my guilty pleasure part. I don't know if that's a good reason, but that's <laughs> Got it. Okay, well, what are you going to ask us? I feel like the guilty pleasure from all of it is like they work together so well in their diametric opposites and also the fact that the writing is deliberately Chuya needs somebody to bring him back to sanity. Like that is the oldest trope of time in like any romantic ship. So I feel like that helps contribute to the guilty pleasure of it all. I would have put my money, the guilty part being that Dazai manipulated Chuya into the mafia in the first place mm. because he was an asshole. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that that is very true. Um, yeah, but okay, Isabel, you were asking us something. What was it? <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I just wanted to... Yeah, 
or actually just adding to that manipulative part, like the part where he they were playing games and the bet was literally the fact that Dazai asked Chuya to become his dog type of thing. Yeah. And I thought that was so funny. Chuya just agreed to it. Like, he's so mad, but like, he he really believed that he couldn't win. And then just him also kind of taking a fe- feminine uh, side as well. Like when, when Dazai is first changed up and Chuya just... I felt secondhand embarrassment from this, from him just acting like, oh, I, I won't save you next time or something like that. <laughs> I remember that scene. I remember that scene. Yeah. Chuya, so your, uh, your sundar is coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't put us to shame. <laughs> and Dazai just doesn't react. So he, Chuya is just like left hanging there completely. That's his femboy side, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's his femboy side help. <laughs> Oh no, these are all sorts of terms that I know that we didn't need to throw out today. <laughs> I mean, that is what he was doing, right? So, <laughs> that being said, Bugo Stray Dogs has quite a bit of like pairings of men who hate each other, but it's like they're. Oh, an- absolutely. I mean, you look at the most popular one, which is like Octagawa and Atsushi. Yeah. yeah. I literally just made a tweet today where I was like, the rules of Bungo Stray Dogs is that if two men hate each other, they actually love each other. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, I, I, I was wondering if anyone was going to pick that one because it's so popular, but I was like, I don't think Agnes feels strongly about that relationship. I think like uh, Agnes and I are more uh, just kind of enraptured by this fourth and fifth season where the plot went because we're like, how did it get this good? (laughs) You know, after we like critiqued it for so long. Um, But it is such a popular ship that I bet it would have been someone's guilty pleasure ship. And then lo and behold, Isabel picked it. So, (laughs) yep. Alrighty, so then in that case, Agnes, it is now your turn. And once again, I'm going in this blind. I usually what I like to do is I like try to guess, you know, what kind of people you picked or, you know, what anime you guys picked for the topic. But I got to admit to you guys, I genuinely had no idea who Isabel was going to pick for her guilty pleasure ships. And I definitely have no idea what you're going to pick, Agnes. So I'm endlessly very curious, you know, who did you pick for your guilty pleasure ships? Gotcha. So I had the similar thing with Isabel where it was hard kind of pinpointing the guilty pleasure ship just because we're so used to watching anime and accepting the romantic pairing for what they are, regardless if it's bad or good writing. Um, So the first one that I wanted to pick, though, that literally came to me about half an hour ago before we wow, recorded this okay. podcast. Because I was struggling. This is the, the side of me that procrastinated until the last minute, okay? um, But I find this one a bit guilty pleasure in the sense of like in terms of stability yeah no it won't work out and one of them is dead potentially we don't know that because there's only been one season and that's id invaded with hondomachi and fukada oh no Um, okay (laughs) (laughs) did i poach one of yours no but it just reminded me of it and it made me sad Yeah, it's sad, but it's also like, ooh, girl, why did you pick that shit? Because um, one of them is a serial killer. Uh, he, uh, he, has he has really good charisma in, in his defense. So. Yeah, exactly. So for the viewers who didn't watch ID Invaded, it's about a bunch of, you know, people uh, in a police department that use a kind of like futuristic machine to investigate criminal crimes and to see 
how they can basically rate certain criminals. It's a combination between the movie Minority Report and Psychopaths. Um, one of the detectives in there is Hondo Machio, who is this very young newbie police officer who was recently promoted as detective, and she's like 24, 25 at the start of the series. And she's very baby, right? Um, her senpai is Narisago Akito, who's this jaded detective who's gone through a lot of crap do- going through the, the Mizutani system, Miz- uh, Mizunohana system. And one of the serial killers that they encounter is Fukada, who kills his victims by trying to drill holes into their heads, right? And there's a, there's a very sexually charged scene at the very beginning of ID Invaded because Honomachi gets kidnapped by Fukada. But Honomachi kind of planned it because she really wanted to figure out what made Fukada, uh, Fukada, Fu, uh, Fukuda tick um, in the sense of being a serial killer. And he reveals to her that he's not a serial killer because he enjoys people killing people, but the fact that he wants to have people experience the clarity that he had. Basically a post-nut clarity that he had when he drilled a hole through his own head. We are, we are, um, we are. I'm not had... holding back on our language today. <laughs> no, not today. <laughs> not today. We're a bit unhinged today. Um, because he had he suffered from a mental illness where he saw numbers in everything. So anything that he interacted with, anything that he talked about, he only saw numbers and it actually drove him mentally insane. And so in a last-ditch effort, he tried to kill himself or drill a hole through his head and that basically gave him the post-not clarity and Fukada uh, Hondomachi was like well I want you to give me that too I want to see what you see and I was just like oh damn girl <laughs> you're going places that I would not go um and for the entirety of the show they kind of have like this weird band this weird sexually charged banter and Hondomachi is always constantly saved by Fukuda too in certain uh dreamscapes that they end up going into so that's why I wanted to put them on the guilty pleasure ship. Unfortunately, it doesn't come to light because Fukuda is rumored to have died in one of the dreamscapes that they were trying to apprehend the main murderer of the series. So you never get the full realization that they could be a ship, but it, it was definitely there for most of the series. The sequel manga revealed that he is still alive, but he's in a coma. And honestly, I don't know if he's going to wake up. So because it's like his, yeah, like his mental self died. So it's like it's his body's more of a husk than anything else. I don't know. It's sad. It's sad, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> Isabel, did you did you think of uh, Hondomachi and Fukuda as like a possible ship? Because I think you watched ID Invaded, right? Or did you not? I don't remember. No, yeah, I actually did. I know you both watched it, but I hadn't. Um, okay. But I wish you could see what my expression was for the last minute when you <laughs> explained what was going on. I, my mouth was like, like open because I couldn't <laughs> it. Isabel was like, yeah. act as ships. <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what? Like when you look at their clips on YouTube, you're just kind of like, yeah, I can see okay, it. It's not, it's not it's not great, but explain. you know. And at one point, I remember when ID Invaded finished, Gracie and I were basically screaming about how the ship never got realized because Fukuda is dead and in a coma. So we were like scrambling through Twitter trying to find artwork. We found a them. lot actually. <laughs> Really? So it turns oh out that there's actually a pretty sizable Japanese community that really do ship them together. And even the production team retweets a lot of very suspicious looking Hondo, Hondo Machi and Fukuda fan art. So. Okay, like you you have to understand, Isabel, she's not going to understand. I'm just like, you have to understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
that one meme of like the kid trying to explain to his mom, like trying to rationalize like why he needs to get something, and the mom has like that agape horrified face while she's sitting on I the couch. I also thinking of that meme seen... with the two ladies screaming at that cat, and right now the cat is oh, yeah. <laughs> classic. the two ladies is us. So. Um, but what you have to understand, Isabel, is that when they talk to each other, there's a lot of chemistry between them. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> you have to believe us, Isabel. We'll send you video clips okay. soon. I feel like video clips won't do it. Like, she has to watch it from the very beginning to end to realize the full extent of their very complicated relationship. um and it's like okay this sounds weird because he is a serial killer but it is kind of cute when he like rescues her and stuff like for example near the end there was like a lot of crazy stuff that was happening and she got like stuck in like this mental sandstorm and something like that and he just like comes out of nowhere and like grabs her and gets her out of it and like lets her land on him to soften the landing and then he just kind of smirks at her and goes good like good landing or like makes some kind of like snide remark about that fact and i was like oh that's good <laughs> like i don't know how to explain <laughs> it but that's good <laughs> and i think the other thing i should mention is that honomachi herself is not that innocent right either, yeah because to be a detective in id invaded means that you need to think like the killer in order to anticipate their next move which means you're also kind of deranged yourself so the fact that honomachi kind of sets herself up to get her head drilled by a hole by fukada kind of shows that she's a bit mentally insane too so they kind of work out in a very weird way right no i i think that's a good point because honomachi is very largely insinuated to honestly be like a psychopath as well but unlike other psychopaths we typically see in stories is that instead of her being a murderer she's hunting for the murderer because it's fun because she's bored otherwise and she's very good at masking herself to appear very normal and like you know like someone who fights for justice but Fukuda was the one who accurately points it out to her once she like drilled her own head to like make sure that he get captured which is what interested him in the first place is that she is not a good like police person or a policewoman at all like she is here because she's bored of life and trying to hunt down deranged people is what makes things fun for her and she's just been able to hide it really well is all it is and we later see that she ended up scaring her boss like her boss wanted to get rid of her and that's why um and that's why like um suggested that she does the whole mizuhono thing because he started to notice like she's extraordinarily cold when it comes to catching people and Mm -hmm. and feels like absolutely zero empathy to the situation at all so and it scared him because he's like i don't i don't want this woman around like my men like that's terrifying and so um so he really wanted to get rid of her so she's not really normal either it's just she's not doing the killing for once so yeah (laughs) Right. And I think the the funniest part is that as much as we have uh, Tsuda Kenjiro who voices uh, Akito, and we think like, you know, Akito is like the cold killer, you know, detective kind of guy. He's more of like the film noir detective who's just very emotional about everything. And it kind of like blinds his own sense of justice. Right. Yeah. Hondomachi is like cold, cold. Like she's very cold. It's a very famous scene of where... Um, she was deflecting a knife 
it's like the coldest thing that she's done in the whole series too and i'm just like wow this girl does not hold back so it definitely pegs her as more of a psychopath but trained to hunt other psychopaths instead of you know her kind of going off the rails yeah because uh sudaken's character he was um i I like how we just remember him as sudaken but that was probably one of his best performances in anime that's his best role man (laughs) Uh, but sudaken's character is like is a traumatized detective who's uh, the film noir detective with like the baggage emotional baggage and then and then yeah honomachi actually like she's She's an actual psychopath that, like, really does not have empathy or care about other people. And she's just here because it's fun to catch bad people. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, mm-hmm. but it makes their dynamics work. Her and Fukuda, it's hard to explain. Isabel, if you watch it, you understand, I promise. That's okay. I take y'all's words. <laughs> I was trying to convince her. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I will have to give it a watch before I can fully give my comments and yeah i might ship them as well so <laughs> but <you>. isabel is <laughs> actually saying i need to watch this to decide how badly i judge these two so. oops <laughs> <laughs> righty, so that is your first pick what do you have for your second pick for a guilty pleasure ship so my second pick might actually make you scream gracie but i do have a rationale behind it uh my second guilty pleasure ship would be who i see me annoy call for oh life. no <laughs> I'm sorry, This we have to slander each other at this point. Um, the reason why I really I wasn't really interested in this ship when I was watching Haikyuu in the first place. I was just kind of like, okay, whatever, just going through the motions of watching it. But I started picking up some doujins a couple years ago of Uaizumi and Oikabu just for like some giggles because I was just like, it can't possibly be that great, right? Because it's, it's BL doujin, like this is not a ship, this is a sports volleyball anime. And I was reading through it and I was just like, wait, this actually works really well. And the problem with that doujin is that it's because it's done by the mangaka behind Given. Oh yes, she did ship oh. them a lot. <laughs> yes. She shipped, so before she got really popular with Given, the series, she was actually a very prolific doujin writer and mangaka. And one of her top selling ones, or the most notable ones, were Oikawa and Waizumi, because she would depict them in like different AUs, or she would depict them in a very like romantic setting where the fact that in the series themselves Oikawa and Oizumi grew up as childhood friends so she really played into the whole like childhood friends trope and the amount of trust that they have for each other uh, during on the court so it's very similar to how the Chuya and Dazai trope work where it's like two diametric opposites but when it boils down to it their trust is basically like unbreakable and so it plays out really well in the doujin and at that point i was kind of like i'm a little bit invested in this and so i started reading some fan fiction for it too although i will have to say some of the fan fiction for oiko and uaizumi is sometimes a little bit out the window so my guilty pleasure ship is kind of only selective for the doujins that i've read instead so i end up going back to reread those doujins instead of actually perusing through the rest of the fan fiction so what about those doges won you over though like what specifically was it (laughs) i think it's because it's the given author has a really good way of depicting her bl ships in a very soft light oh that isn't very 
harsh. So if you take the Oikawa no Aizumi context out of the haiku, so if you just have two guys who are like living in an apartment or two guys that are like childhood friends and you just read it as is, it's a very romantic setup from start to finish. Mm. So that's why I was really invested in reading the doujins more so than the fan fictions because I really wanted to just see them in a romantic light from those doujins specifically. Interesting. So you say that it's carried over now to the actual source material? No, I didn't say that. I was just no, like, I, I was saying that. No, I your feelings about these two characters. Like, is it just, is it just like, um, is it just in the Oh, I see. Circle? No, it actually doesn't carry over into the anime as much. I know like there are a lot of Twitter and online fans who really ship them from the anime, but my division between like the anime versus like the manga and like the doujin are all very separate okay. from each other so it never quite carried over from that okay point on. got it i was curious about that. okay um well i it's it's under i always understood why people ship them because they're the old married couple you know that are constantly bickering. exactly yeah so it's like that's a trope and a dynamic that is very easily shippable in the first place it's just they happen to be two high school boys <laughs> instead in this case but they act like that all the time and then it's just mainly like Oikawa digging his own grave because he keeps getting Iwachan angry and then Iwachan getting angry and hitting him, but then lo and behold, Oikawa is totally is totally masochistic and likes it. <laughs> so that's why he keeps doing it and they just keep going this into a circle like that. So it's understandable why people ship them easily, but I do think it's interesting that it's not really the source material itself, but um the sort of fan fiction side of things. I mean, that's what are we allowed to call do, uh, do, uh, doujinshi's fan fictions? I, I don't know, like the exact terms. To be honest with you, uh, in a way, it kind of is. I think it kind of yes. I think it's it's good enough to call as fan fiction, not in the sense that it's writing, but it's like a piece of media that you use to express something that's not canon, okay. Perfect. Right? Yeah, that's why Comkit. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So I did yeah. think it was interesting how it was specifically that side of things that got you to shipping them. Uh, but you you say you still watch the anime and you still don't ship the characters in the anime. It's only specifically when it leaves that sphere. How do you how do you divide that? Yeah, exactly. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, you, the anime stays. How are you able to divide that, like, like, like a bookshelf sort of thing? Because it's like it's still the two same characters, right? No, I think it's the reimagination of what could have been. Okay. Um, in the separate AU scenarios, because a lot of the AU scenarios that the the, the Dojin author has is so is very completely divergent from the actual main uh, canon of itself. Mm -hmm. So it's like its own kind of fantasy world that you're just like, oh, I really like this. But then when you compare it to the anime or the manga, which is the canon material, you're just like, yeah, that doesn't fly. Because there's so much in the canon material that already happens that doesn't exactly line up or support any of the doujin material anyway. So they're just very two very separate entities. Okay, got it. And uh, Isabel, did you sh ever ship any of the Haikyuu characters? Because I, I know for a fact that Haikyuu characters get shipped. So uh, did you, how did you feel about Oikawa and Iwachan? Or did you ship any of the characters in Haikyuu now that we're on that topic? Yeah, honestly, obviously I had seen, you know, a lot of people shipping them. Or obviously you can ship a lot of the boys together based on how they are. But I never actually shipped them in the show Yeah, by itself. So I kind of kept that separate or just kind of never really thought about it in a sense. I'm curious though because I saw ships like Oikawa and uh, Kageyama 
Oh, yeah. I saw those, Oh, too. I do not ship that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. No. no amount of fan fiction is going to get me to ship that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that just... I, 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 I don't ship it either, but I was curious about why would we ship these two together and... Because you know. fans want something that's toxic and unthinkable, so they propagate. Well, I was going to ask you, Isabel, did they did they pitch it to you, the ship? Like, do you understand it? <laughs> Since it seems like you kind of like looked at it in curiosity. <laughs> yeah, I'm always curious. Well, I'm curious because their personalities are so you know different. So, I, in my mind, I'm trying to make sense of what their dynamic would be like. So, I feel like I only get as far as kind of questioning the ship. And wondering if it'll work out, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm on the side of no. I actually do think Iwaizumi and Oikawa is probably a better ship that I would probably support than Oikawa. So I have a question for the all three, for the two of you. There are three very popular Oikawa ships in total. There's Oikawa and Oizumi. There's Oikawa and um, what's his face? Uh, that you just mentioned. Oh, Kageyama? Oh, Kageyama. And then there's Oizawa with uh, Ushiwaka. Oh! Those are three very popular ships that I've seen with Oikawa. So if you guys were to rank them, or or if you were to pick one or the other, which one would you pick? Regardless if you actually like it or not. Because we talked about how earlier um, uh, Kageyama and Oikawa were just all collectively like, No. <laughs> But then there's also like Oikawa and uh, Ushiwaka. I want to go Ushiwaka and Oikawa, okay. and then and then I'll do the Iwaizumi one because I just I think Ushi would work out a little bit better, or I'll be more interested in seeing their dynamic. That's interesting. I I am hands down would have done Oikawa and Iwaizumi. I do like the bickering married couple sort of trope, like Kashiva Hori from Gekkan Shoujo. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. it when the two of them are bickering and fighting with each other. I just think it's so funny, especially because you can tell the bickering isn't serious and both of them are essentially having a little too much fun with one being constantly angry and the other one constantly getting quote-unquote hurt. And so um, so I, I, I like that dynamic too much to let it go, so definitely I would still be with uh, the Oikawa and Iwachan. Ship. I can see why the Ushikawa one is um interesting because it can become like an enemies to lovers sort of situation. But mm-hmm. I think the dynamic that he has with Iwachan is too solid for me to let go. So yeah. I agree, yeah. Alrighty. So um in that case, I think that lands to me in regards to my guilty pleasure ship. So uh funnily enough, like you guys, I actually also had a bit of trouble with my guilty pleasure ships, and I also realize it's because of the fact that um it's because of the fact that I do tend to ship the more canon ones. I don't usually ship things that aren't canon. And then uh and then some of my ships that I could have counted as guilty pleasure, I ultimately decided not to because I don't ship them anymore. It's like, it's like saying, you know, you ship Yuki and Zero, but it's like, I shipped them when I was in middle school. I don't ship them anymore as an adult, so I can't really count it anymore. So yeah, that's like, that's mm-hmm. my thing. That makes sense, yeah. But the first one I do have is, 
it's complicated. I hope you guys don't mind me spoiling things and like kind of setting it up. So um, my first one and definitely the easiest one for me to pick, that was like the one that was like immediately forefront in my mind. And then the, the other one I had to kind of dig and think about. But um, it is Gurren and Shinya from uh, from Owari no Seraph or Seraph of the End. I know that Isabel watched that one. Do you remember Shinya? Because obviously you would... I, Gurren was a pretty important character and he showed up a lot, so... Oh, yeah. I, I shipped them. <laughs> okay. Isabel does ship them. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, do you know about, like, their backstory in the light novels and stuff like that? <laughs> no, I don't. My, like, my limit is for the anime, which I've been waiting for more, so if you can tell me more, I would like to hear about okay, it. Okay, <laughs> so you don't mind if I spoil you some pretty big backstory yes, stuff? Yes, please. Thank you. Okay, so basically... <laughs> They're not canon, but I'm like, it's kind of dumb if they're not like a thing. Because here's the whole context is Gurren is the one responsible for the apocalypse. He's the reason why the world is the way it is. And it's really messed up right now. And the reason why the world is the way it is, is because of Shinya. So essentially in the light novel series, Gurren and his group of like friends, his like, and we've seen, we've seen them in the anime in the second season where they're adults at, by this point, but he and his group of friends were essentially fighting his Gurren's ex who has turned into a vampire. Uh, don't ask how or why it's complicated. <laughs> I, 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 I'd have to do that meme with the strings and be like, it all makes sense. <laughs> you know, like that sort of thing. If I want to explain how they got there, but just, just keep it at face value. So, um, but anyway, they do end up defeating her, but in the process, everyone dies except for Gurren, with specifically Shinya taking a shot for Gurren, and that's what killed him. And Gurren's mind just kind of like shut down after Shinya died. Like he literally was just holding Shinya's body to his chest for three whole days and was unable to move after that fact. And then he started to wake up a bit and he comes to this insane conclusion, which is he just does not want to live in a world without Shinya. And so he decides to break the literal life rule of resurrecting people from the dead. And the result of that is because he broke the literal laws of like life, he brought upon the apocalypse. He literally doomed an entire world so he could bring Shinya back from the dead. Wow. And um, and he princess carries the body because the art shows that. And on top of that, after he brings um, after he resurrects his friends and Shinya, Shinya's wounds heal, but Shinya wasn't breathing. And then he just has a complete meltdown. He was like screaming and freaking out because he was like, I just brought upon the apocalypse and it's and you know it's solely because of Shinya that he was he brought upon the apocalypse and he's like why did I do that if I didn't even if I wasn't able to resurrect him and everything and then another character came in who like knows about what's going on like he's kind of a manipulator in this whole situation and he like kind of knocks Gurren aside to like give CPR to Shinya and that got CPR uh, Shinya's heart to start again and Shinya takes his first breath and Gurren's just like sobbing while like holding Shinya and literally the light novel prequels about like this whole arc and how Gurren essentially doomed the world ends with Shinya on a motorcycle and Gurren getting on the motorcycle behind him and they're driving off and Gurren leans his head against Shinya's back to hear Shinya's heart beating again and thinking to himself that he doesn't regret 
anything he did to bring Shinya back. He does not regret bringing back the apocalypse if it meant bringing Shinya back. And I'm like, okay, I know this isn't canon, but it's it's kind of dumb. <laughs> this isn't a romantic at this point. That writing is incredibly deliberate. Holy shit. I'm like, yeah, if, if, I, like, if you're going to go with the platonic route, that's just dumb. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, anyway, the reason why it's a guilty pleasure ship for me is that relationship isn't working out and a big reason why is the resurrection wasn't perfect essentially Shinya only has like 10 or 15 years alive after the resurrection and all and Gurren by this point in the manga has become an antagonist he's actually the actual bad guy of the whole story because what he's been trying to do and manipulate everyone to do is he's trying to have his cake and eat it and so um, he essentially wants to undo the apocalypse, that much is certain. But he also still wants to be able to keep Shinya alive and with him. And so, and part of the reason why the relationship is just a, a mess is that Shinya doesn't know that he was dead. He doesn't have any memory that he was dead. He didn't know he, was, he got resurrected and he didn't know, and he still doesn't know that he has a limited lifespan left. And on top of that, he can't know because if Shinya ever does know, Apparently that like undoes the resurrection and he'll he will like immediately die. So Gurren has been like keeping the fact that he resurrected Shinya and Shinya literally died in his arms like to himself for years now and doing all these terrible manipulative evil things behind the scenes so he can keep Shinya alive and undo the apocalypse at the same time. And Shinya is on the protagonist side where he's just like, I don't know what you're doing, Gurren, but you are, like, really messing things up, and you're, like, backstabbing allies, and you're, like, making all these, you're lying, you're making all these fake promises, you're hiding stuff from all of us, like, I can't, like, I can't side with you if you keep doing these sort of things, which is very difficult for Shinya, because Shinya has always been supporting Gurren, and Gurren, of course, cannot tell him either because he because if he does then you know Shinya is gonna die so these two are now like fighting with each other they're not on the same side and it's a mess and it's toxic and it's terrible and I love it I can't help it I love it (laughs) (laughs) I love them so much I just want them to be happy together and it, it, it frustrates me because I know how terrible it is and how how messed up Gurren has done how how badly things have messed up because of Gurren's actions and very selfish actions for that matter but I just can't help but ship it because he did all this for Shinya and so it's just like it, it just it just gets to me that like intense loyalty that love that he has it gets to me and it's like it's like I hate you guys I love you guys like what am I what am I gonna do <laughs> so um so yeah, I, I ship them. They're my huge guilty pleasure ship. I keep hoping that it ends with a happy ending with the two of them. I don't think it will. If anything, it'll probably end with both of them dying, which is also kind of what Gurren was hoping for because when at one point when like the protagonists have figured out like what he was doing, he finally like comes clean to them. So Shinya wasn't there. He uh Shinya wasn't there because he literally knocked out Shinya and then kidnapped him. So uh, you know, lots of lots of things happen. <laughs> but basically, um he tells he basically comes clean to the protagonist and he does break down, like emotionally break down that moment where he was like, I wish I could have just died with him instead of being forced to like try to fix things and try to make this work. But you know what? It's it's already happened and 
I, I've just got to commit to it because I'm too far gone to not commit to it. I'm like, I'm in too deep sort of thing. And I was just like, oh, like, I don't, like, you, 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 <laughs> you. <laughs> so, it, it's a frustrating ship. It, I love it. I, I want them to be happy. They should get married. So, yes, <laughs> that's my first. It's the whole trope of, like, I'll burn the world just I for know, you. I know, I know. Kind of thing from the villain. So it's a very romantic ship already. I know, I know. And, and it also frustrates me knowing that it's probably never going to be canon canon. And that's like, yes, these two are a thing. But I'm like, okay, it's kind of stupid if they are at this point. Like, he literally brought the apocalypse to resurrect him from the dead. So I think trying to argue with that is kind of dumb. But anyway, Isabel, um, now I've told you the whole story uh does that change things because it seems like you do ship them so now i'm scared to ship them because i know it might end in a trash <laughs> in a trash <laughs> i'm sorry did i prevent you from shipping them <laughs> no that's okay um yeah i haven't touched syrup of the end in a while so it's okay but um but yeah hearing you talk about that it, that was like a much more intense plot than whatever I had imagined for the series in general. So yeah, it's just hard to deny, especially if it seems like at least Gurren has feelings for Shinya or Shinya the other way around without even knowing actually, because, you know, he lost his memory. Um, but in the anime, at least, I really did enjoy like their dynamic together, which is why I like seeing them together as well. Kind of, kind of like a parallel between our, our two main characters as well. Mika and Mika that's part mm-hmm. of the issue is that Mika obviously does not like Gurren but you keeps empathizing <laughs> with Gurren because <laughs> he kind of understands Gurren's desperation he'd like try to tell yeah. Mika he'd be like you know it's like me with you and Mika's like you're not murdering people <laughs> and, <so laughs> and Mika's like well and, and you's just like well yeah but and I was like there's no but in this case <laughs> absolutely does reflect his like or have feelings for Gurren like if anything it's Gurren's mm. side of things that are somehow less canon and Shinya's feelings that are more canon because of two situations um one the first thing is Shinya's uh demon that he's contracted with Byakuya um straight up said it like Shinya keeps like going along with Gurren and like keeps or not going along with him, but even when they're fighting, he keeps trying to give Gurren the benefit of the doubt, and he's trying to figure out why and wants to know, and, like, asking questions and just wants Gurren to tell him the truth, which obviously Gurren can't. And basically, at one point, his own demon got, like, annoyed with him, and his own demon was like, you need to stop letting your feelings lead this. Like, you know, like, I like I know, you're in love with him. Like, let it go. <laughs> and, so, and I was like, ouch, getting lectured by your own demon. <laughs> so, no wonder. <laughs> Um, so that's one thing. And then the second thing is in the light novel series, one of the chapters, the two of them were in like this onsen together and specifically, uh, Ooh la la. <laughs> this is a very romantic setup already. <laughs> they were in the onsen together and specifically Shinya was like, look at the moon girl. Look at how pretty it is. And he's like being purposefully very flirtatious and girl is like, okay, fine, fine. He like looks at it. And then, um, and then Shinya's like, it's pretty tonight, right? And Gurren's like, yeah, the moon's pretty. And then and Shinya's just looking at Gurren. And Shinya goes, the moon's always wow. pretty. <laughs> so, 
<sighs> tell me you're not gay. Tell me you're not gay. Tell me you're gay without telling me you're not <laughs> gay, right? It's one of those phrases. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, on Shinya's side, everyone's like, okay, it's canon that he has feelings for Gurren. Funnily enough, somehow it's Gurren's side. That's not canon, but I'm like, Gurren literally brought the apocalypse. Like, I don't, I don't know how you want to argue this. So, um, yeah. So that is my first guilty pleasure ship. Uh, it sounds like Agnes enjoyed the ride, if nothing else, so. <laughs> I definitely enjoy the rides. I mean, I'm making a lot of sexual innuendos at this point, so I'm very much having a blast with this. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so my second guilty pleasure ship that I picked is from Finest Assassin. And actually, it's between Lug and Dia. And so Agnes has definitely seen that one. I think you've seen this one too, right, Isabel? Uh, the Finest Assassin? No, I actually haven't. So. It's the reincarnation mm-hmm. one where this assassin gets reincarnated to a new world and he gets um, tasked with like killing oh. the hero. There's a great panty shot scene. Okay, <laughs> That's I what that. I have to contribute. Okay. <laughs> I saw part of it. Okay, so um, Lug and Dia are like the main couple, the main ship in there. In fact, Lug himself even says it out loud. He was like, I want to marry her. And then they kiss at the very end of the season and stuff like that. But uh, the reason why it's my guilty pleasure ship is I do feel a bit of hypocrisy over this because and someone one, someone on Twitter had actually pointed this out to me and it was a fair hit, a fair comment because you guys know I don't like jobless and you guys know I've often like, you know, talked about how the main character is essentially a pedophile. He is into 13 year old girls, 10 year old girls like it's gross. It's disgusting. Obviously, his mental state is very much an adult. Well, Luke is by all means, also mentally an adult as well. He was an adult when he died, and he got reincarnated with all his skills and his memories intact. And Dia is much, much, much younger than him in that sense, because even though she is a little bit older than Luke's physical, biological age, mentally she is, like, her age, and Luke isn't. And yet, it's my guilty pleasure shit, because I do like their dynamic, so... Two things is one, I'm able to dissociate a little better in Luke's situation because they didn't, um, first of all, they did not put sexual harassment thoughts in the first place to the main character. But the second thing is that they used his teenager voice when voicing his internal thoughts. So it's easier to associate him with his age rather than thinking to yourself that mentally he is another, like he's older. So that's one way I'm able to dissociate from that hypocrisy. And then the second thing is I just really like their dynamic because Luke in particular shows like this great respect for Dia. Dia is a, an extremely talented um, uh, spellcaster and like magic user and she's like she's a genius and she like invented a bunch of strategies and part of her enjoyment of hanging out with Luke is that Luke brings a lot of like common like uh, or modern world knowledge that you know their medieval source settings do not have and um and that prevents the understanding of how magic works and so basically when Luke shares these information, these modern uh, world knowledge of science, she's able to apply them to the magic and create brand new spells that no one else has thought about before. And she has a crap ton of fun doing that. Like she's a nerd. She loves doing this. And like that's what and that's like her hobby. And her ability to do this makes Luke really, really respect her and find her to be this incredible sort of fascinating woman that he... Um, 
you know, that he sees not only on his level, but even a little above as well because of her ability. Like with all the other girls, he makes it very clear he sees them as tools and his intention to use them for like manipulate them and stuff like that. But Dia is the only one that he never thinks about that on because he just thinks she's incredible and um, and just really likes to spend time with her because of that, um, because of her uh, intelligence and such. So that dynamic also makes me ship them. But, you know, once again, it's guilty pleasure because I am aware mentally he's an adult and this is not acceptable. But it's just the way that it ended up getting written. I just liked seeing the two of them together. I even liked it when they kissed at the end. I thought that was really sweet and cute. So um, so that's kind of like my guilty pleasure, my second guilty pleasure ship I have. And Agnes, Isabel, I don't know if you remember more now, Isabel, but like, do you um, do you guys have thoughts on this particular ship? And sort of the situation of how like Luke is older <laughs> than his biological age. <laughs> yeah, and Finest Assassin, I could probably like kind of, like you said, kind of more be accepting of what Luke does um, compared to Jobless Reincarnation. So there was that going as well. Uh, I think the reason why I dropped it was because I think I saw it becoming a harem in a sense. So, and seeing a bunch of, uh, you know, girls that he was interacting with or that's the reason half of the reason why I dropped it but then also just probably that I didn't have time to watch it um I think the other thing that I guess I had a question about was like what about Luke I think wasn't Dia also kind of related to Luke yeah they're cousins yeah how do you feel about that or that's just kind of I guess that may be secondary because Luke technically is from um because he's an assassin previously right so yeah He's like a different person and a different body. So it's like multiple steps, I feel like. But that didn't affect you at all in terms of shipping them. The main reason why that, like, I kind of brushed that aside was I, <laughs> I watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay. Um, and I kind of got used to the whole medieval incest thing because it's like, because back then it was like very, like they didn't understand genetics. So they thought that cousins being together with cousins is fine and there's nothing wrong with it and it's like perfectly normal and so i'm like okay they're they're dumb <laughs> like the medieval era was really dumb they didn't understand genetics at all and so i just kind of like brushed it aside <laughs> so uh, definitely the part that home sweet home alabama <laughs> it's like yeah it's bad but like i i think i obviously in modern day if this was like a modern day story i would have been like ew no 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 like sort of thing but then because this was like the medieval setting i was just like okay yeah they're dumb they don't get that cousin and cousin is not okay so whatever and um i'm just i'm just not gonna think about it definitely the part that like that got me more guilty was the mental age of the ma main character and i like mm -hmm. and i do understand my hypocrisy of it and like like i said that call out was uh, completely earned <laughs> it's just like i i just i can't help it because i think the fact that he's voiced by his teenager voice just makes it easier to swallow so um, so yeah, uh, Agnes, what about you? What did you think of the ship and like sort of, I guess the elements that gives me guilt? <laughs> I mean, the element that gave me guilt was definitely the cousin bit. Um, the fact that he does have a large harem of girls that basically follow with him because he kind of emotionally ma manipulates them into following mm -hmm. him. But at the same time, I can kind of agree with why you would pick them because they're the most emotionally, not stable, but like they understand each other a lot more than... Um, than Luke and his other mistresses or his other girls too 
So it kind of works out. And the fact that they devised a lot of stuff from the very beginning. So they were both really into this trade that they were getting married into or were going to get married into anyway. So yeah, that's exactly it. It's a uh, yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> so that is why it is my guilty pleasure. Alrighty, well, I think that sums up all our guilty pleasure ships that we wanted to talk about. Uh, first of all, all your ships are valid, as so in this case, um, it is okay that we feel guilt. We can just enjoy it with each other and uh, by ourselves in that case. Uh, for all the listeners, uh, please feel free to comment to us what shit anime ships you have that you feel guilt for, but it's a guilty pleasure ship for you guys all. And um, next week, we will be back with another fun topic, so I hope you'll be here next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.